So we're up to Daf Pei Zayin Amid Aleph. We're up to the Gemara. Now from here until the two dots is fairly easy. And then from two dots to the end of the parak is, uh, is a little tricky. So we'll do our best. The Mishnah had described, it was like a riddle. You have a person, a woman who marries a Yisrael and has a kid. Uh, let's, let's say, marries a Kayin and has a kid. Kayin dies, so she continued eating Truma. Marries a Levi, she can't eat Truma anymore, she can eat Meiser, has a kid. Levi dies, she continued eating Meiser. And then, and so on and so forth. And then, the, the Levi died, the kid died, so she can go back to eating Truma, and then the kid died, and then she's done. So, what you see from, the main point of the end of this parak is that you see, first of all, you see a couple things. You see that we don't say that, well, if she's disqualified once, she's disqualified forever, right? When she had the kid from a Kayan, she can, she can eat Truma. When she had the kid from, Yisra, from a Levi or Yisrael, she can't eat Truma anymore. But those kids die, we go back. Meaning we, we don't say, like, we don't say, well, you had a kid from a Levi at some point, so you're out forever. No, we go with right now whatever's in front of us. Right now, does she have a kid from a Kayan? Yes. Is he the only kid? Yes. She could eat Shuma. I, two minutes ago, she had a kid from Yisrael or from, from Levi and he died. It doesn't matter. We go with whatever's in front of you when it comes to Truma. So the Gemara says, that if the other children die and she's left with just a Kayin son, she eats Truma. Sorry, the Gemara. Minolan, how do I know this? This is a Pasuk describing her going back to her father's home. And the extra vav tells you that even if she was disqualified at any point, meaning she was she had a son from a levi, but right now she just has a son from a kain, that's enough. Basu bas, kiman. Who is the author? Who is the author of this uh, of this drasha? It must be Ravakiva, the darsh vavi. Ravakiva darshins vav in throughout shas. So it must be Ravakiva. It's from the extra vav. So the gemara responds, no. I feel the tamer rabbanu kula baskar yiseru. We've already had this before. That this follows even the rabbanim because the entire word ubas. Kayin is extra. It could just say kisiya. It could just go into it. We know from the context of who it's referring to. So because the entire word is extra, everybody darshins the vav. Okay. Now the Gemara tells us halacha that we've also had before. We're just going to find sources for it. And that is, when you have a bas kayin that marries Yisrael, so she can't eat truma. And then when the Yisrael dies, she goes back home to her father's house and she eats truma again, assuming she doesn't have kids, Right? So the Gemara once said, she might be allowed to go back to eat truma, but she cannot eat shlamim. Meaning when she goes back home, and she's back to being a baskayan again, and she could eat truma, she can't eat shlamim. So if they're eating at the table shlamim, chazav from a shlamim, she's not allowed to partake in that. Her being married to Yisrael or to a Levi at some point makes it that she can never get shlamim again. She could eat truma, but not shlamim. Okay. And from here until the two dots, we're just going to find sources for that. So the Gemara says, Tan Rabban, when her husband, who's a Levi or a Yisrael, dies without children, and she goes back to being a Baskayin, she can go back to eating Truma, but she can't eat Shlomim. She can't eat Shlomim. What's the source? That she can go back for Truma and not Shlomim? Because it says, the Pasuk says that once she marries someone else, she can every trumas hakodshim. What it means is that what's taken out from kodshim, i.e. shlom, she can never go back. Therefore, even if her husband dies and she goes back to being a baskayin, she can never go back to being shlom. Okay, it's one source. 
he has another source. It says meilechem. She could go back to eating truma meilechem, but like kol lechem. Meaning meilechem implies that she could eat something, but not everything. She could eat truma and not kachim. So his source is from Melechem, that implies that when she goes back to being a Baskayan, she almost reverses back fully, but not fully. So she goes back for Chuma, but not for Kachim. So the Gemara says maybe that's not what the Pasuk is actually trying to imply. I mean, the Pasuk is implying that when she goes back after her husband dies and she goes back home, she goes back home, but she's not fully back home. There's some element that she's not the same as she was. So what does the Gemara say? So it means she can go back for Chuma, but she can't go back for Kachim. The Gemara says maybe it's a different source. Maybe the Pasuk is not talking about Kachim at all. Maybe the Pasuk is talking about annulling vows. When you have a girl who's single living at home, her father can annul her vows for her. Once she marries someone else and comes back home after being widowed or divorced, her, her father can't annul the vows. Maybe that's what the Pasuk is referring to. Meaning, the Pasuk is just saying that after she widows or divorces, she goes back home, she's like going back home, but she's not fully back to the way she was. So the Gemara says it means she could eat Shuma, not Kachim. Maybe it's not referring to Kachim at all. Maybe it's referring to the fact that her father can't annul her vows anymore. So that has nothing to do with Kachim. So the Gemara says, Maybe the Pasuk is not referring to Kachim at all. It's just telling you a side halacha, which is that when she widows or divorces, her father cannot annul her vows for her anymore because she's no longer that, that girl that she was. So the Gemara answers, I don't need a Pasuk for that. I already know that. Meaning, this Pasuk that's telling me that when she goes back home, she's not fully back to the way she was. So we said it's it, it means she can't eat kaj. The Gemara says, no, well, maybe it's referring to nullifying the vows, that the father can't nullify the vows anymore. The answer is, we already know that. We have a different source, that the second the woman is married, the father can never annul her vows anymore because she's no longer in her father's home. Therefore, this Pasuk is not needed for that. And therefore, it's obviously being used to tell you that she can't eat kaj. The Gemara says, no. The fact that the father cannot annul her vows after she goes back home, I already know that. I don't need this Pasuk. I learned that from Tan Be'er Vishmal. The Tan Be'er Vishmal, Tan Be'er Vishmal says like this, The Pasuk says like this, the Pasuk is describing how a single girl, her father annuls, then the Pasuk says that a married woman, her husband could annul, but then the Pasuk says, in Almana or Grusha, a widow or a divorce, she has to do. Right? Because there's no one to annul her vows. So the Kamari says, isn't that Pajit? Well, yeah, I mean, who's supposed to annul her vows? She's not single anymore, so she's not married, she's not, she's not, you know, like, we need a Pusik for that for? It's like, it's Pajit, who's supposed to annul her vows? She's not living at home, whatever, she's not, you know, she's not like the way she was, and, and she doesn't have a husband, so of course she has to keep the vows. So the Gemara says, you're right. The answer is, the case of the Gemara, you're right, says the Gemara. If she, Taka, is widowed or divorced, of course no one can annul her vows, because she's not married, and she's no longer in her father's home. So what specifically is the Pasuk referring to? The Pasuk is specifically referring to the following scenario. Let's say the father gave her over to the shluchim of the, of the, you know, shluchim come to the father and say, we'd like to, you know, like Yitzchak Avinu, Eliezer, we'd like to, you know, take this girl's hand in marriage for our, for our friend here. So he says, okay, so take her, so she'll let her go. As she's traveling, so she's not really married yet, but she's not really in her father's home anymore. When he gives her over, she's sort of like, and then the husband dies, so you might think the father can still another vows. Come on, she'll he can't. The point is, you see from these drushes, that the second she's widowed or divorced, it's Pasha that no one can do Nala vows anymore. It's Pasha, it's like a given. 
So therefore, you don't need a pasuk to tell me that. So this pasuk that says that when she goes back home, she's a baskayin, but she's not really a baskayin, is obviously referring to truma and not kachim. And it can't be referring to annulling the baskayin. I already know this from this from this context of these drushes. It's clear that the second she's widowed or divorced, there's no annulling her vows anymore. Therefore, the pasuk that says that she doesn't fully go back must be referring to kachim. Okay, another source. Again, they're all trying to prove the same source, which is that when a woman is widowed or divorced, and she's a baskayin, and she goes back, she goes back home, she can eat truma, but she can't eat kachim. So we've already had two sources. Um, a third. Rav Papa Omar, I'm sorry, Rav Safra Omar, Melechem Aviyatoichal, Lechem Voli Basar. Well, the Pasta says she could eat Lechem. Truma, not Basar, not Kachim. Okay, not, not the meat of Shlomim. Rav Papa Omar, Melechem Aviyatoichal, Lechem Akon Levia, Pratlachaz Vashaykh, Mishulchan Gavai Kazach. Rav Papa says, it says Lechem Aviha, her father is bread. Truma is considered belonging to the Kayin. No one would describe a carbon as belonging to them. It belongs to Hashem. They have the rights to eat it. So therefore, the fact that it says that she could eat her father's bread, that implies dafka, her father's bread, which is truma. Kodshim would not be described as the Kayin's food. It's not the Kayin's food. It's Hashem's food that we allow the Kayin to eat. Therefore, the fact that it says her father's bread is excluding um, uh, Kodshim. Another source, Rav Amar, Veschaza Hatnufa Veshoika Truma Teichlu, the Pa'atu Venechu Veisecha Itach. The Pasuk is describing Shlomim, and it says, who could eat Shlomim? The Kayin, his sons and his daughters, and his family with him. What are you with him? Sons and daughters, whatever, that's your family. Your wife, your sons and daughters, who, who else? The answer is, with you means, you could only, your daughter could only eat if she was with you the whole time. If she married someone else and got widowed or divorced, she's not with you the whole time, she's out. Bismat she'itach. Okay. Now, yeah. General concept of yeah, yeah. sustenance. Correct. That she eat everything. It's interesting, yeah. Um, that's why there's a chiddush. Now, the Gemara does point out an interesting thing, and that is when a woman who's a Baskayan marries, gets widowed, divorced, and goes home, she can't eat shlom. Mm-hmm. But if you have a Bas Yisrael who marries a Kayan, husband dies, but she has a kid, so the husband dies, she could continue eating by proxy of the child. The halach is, she could eat shlom. Meaning, if, if she's going home, and she's a baska, and she can't eat shlom anymore. But if she's continuing eating after her husband's death, because she has a son, then she could actually eat shlomim still. Okay. The Gemara continues. The Gemara speaks it out. Amar vada barava, tana. Kishi chazeris lebeisaviyah, chazeris lechuma ben chazeris chazvashayk. When she goes back home, she could eat shlom, but she can't eat shlomim. But b'shvil bena, but if she's eating because of her son, meaning, she's a bas Yisrael, uh, or even a Baskayan, any woman who is married to a Kayan, and then the Kayan dies, but she has a son from that Kayan, she's allowed to eat Shuma and Shlom. Okay. So the power of the son is stronger than her own abilities. So the Gemara just asks like this, the Gemara says, what's the source that she could eat Shuma when, she, when she's widowed or divorced and she's a Baskayan? It's from Ubaskayan. What's the source that she could eat when she has a son from a Kayan? Ubaskayan, it's from the same Pasuk. So, like, isn't it strange that one will allow when we won't allow when the source is the same Pasuk? The Pasuk tells you that she can go back to her father's house and she's only disqualified if she has a son from Yisrael. The both, both things are learned out from the same Pasuk. So isn't it kind of strange that, like, one allow when we don't allow when they're both sourced in the same Pasuk? The Gemara speaks it out. Hos, 
Meaning, what's the source that she can eat when her, when she has a son? It's from Ubas Kaim. What's the source that she can eat? She can eat when she goes back home. Ubas Kaim. So one we're excluding one. Like what's what's the shot? The answer is no. The answer is when it comes to the going home, we just brought down six psukim, six diukim that ex- that are exclusionary, which are not darshins when it comes to having a son from a kayan. You're right, it's from the same Pasuk, but the half of the Pasuk that we're using for her going home, we've had exclusionary terms, lechem, v'leibasar, me lechem, aviha, all these things, which we've never, we didn't darshan when it comes to having a son. And therefore, because it was specifically darshan in that context, we're going to be lenient when it comes to having a son. Now, okay, so he, here's the sugya, from here until the end of the parak. it is difficult, I'm not going to lie, just because the context, you have to understand the following concepts. This is important. There are differences between Yibam and Truma. Okay? There there are similarities as well. There are similarities and differences. Okay? A woman who loses her her husband, she's a Baskayan. She married Yisrael and she lost her husband. She can go back home. It's sort of like the death releasing her. If she has a kid, right, she doesn't go back home. If a woman has a kid, she doesn't do yibum. If she doesn't do, have a kid, she goes back home. She goes, she has yibum. There are similarities, but there are differences. And this is the main point. The, 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 some, and this is, this is why it's important to realize. Some of the differences when it comes to, there are two major differences between yibum and truma. Yibum, it doesn't matter when the person dies. Once they're alive for a moment, we count it forever. I'll give you an example. Okay, A woman... Husband dies and she has a kid. Does she do yibum? Let's say the kid dies a day later. It doesn't matter. As long as you are alive for a minute, you're alive forever. When it comes to truma, right? She has. No, no. I'm saying, but after, from the point where we're counting, from the point of the husband's death, if the kid's alive, the kid's alive. Yeah, yeah, no. But if the kid's alive now, the kid's alive. Correct. We say that once it's called mesim kachayim. Once you're dead, it's like you're alive. Like we count forever. When it comes to truma, it's not like that, right? If you have two kids, right? You had a kid from the levy, and you had a kid from a kayan. Both husbands died, but you still have those kids. The kid from the levy dies. We say, well, now she goes to eat truma again. Well, because the kid's not here. I don't care. I pop away, but he was alive for a minute. The answer is, in that regard, truma and yibam are not the same. Another example, when it comes to yibam, we don't care about early marriages. Let's say a woman had two marriages. Her first marriage, she had kids from. The second marriage, she didn't. Husband dies the second marriage. Does she do yibam? Yeah. Yes, she does. Oh, right, right. I, because this marriage didn't have kids. I, she had kids from the first marriage. I don't care. Exactly. Truma, we care about the earlier kids. Right? If she had three kids from a lady, Yisrael, and a Kayan, we don't say, well, I don't care. Like, what do I care about? We care about early marriages. So those are the distinctions. Those are the differences between Truma and yibam. And the Gemara is going to point all this out and try to say, well, why don't we learn out from each other? Why don't we try to make the halachas the same? That's, that's what we're doing from here until the end of the parak, basically. It's, it's, it's complicated, but not too complicated. Let's work through it. Tanar Abonan. Beveisa The Pasuk says that if a Baskayan married a Yisrael and then her husband died or divorced, she goes back home. Pratla Shemeris Yavam. This excludes Shemeris Yavam. So let's say she was married to Yisrael and the Yisrael died, but she has to do Yivam. We don't say, well, her husband dies, she can go back home. She can't go back home because she's bound to the Yavam. And Kinureha Pratlumuberas. The halacha is that if she was married to a Yisrael 
and her husband dies and she's pregnant, can she eat truma? No. The pregnancy counts until the baby either is born or dies, or is stillborn, whatever. You gotta, we got to ride this out. Pregnancy counts when it comes to truma. So the Gemara says like this, what do I need a Pusik for? Why don't I just say pregnancy counts by Yibam, right? Do you do Yibam if she's pregnant? No. Pregnancy counts by Yibam. Pregnancy should count by Truma, and we'll learn out the same. And the Gemara is going to answer, the reason why you need a Pasuk is because of the differences between Yibam and Truma, you, you, they're not comparable. So we have a Pasuk that says that if a woman, a Baskayan was married to Yisrael and her husband dies, when she's pregnant, she can't go back home yet because she, the pregnancy counts. The Gemara says, what are you for? Halidinu, it's a Kabbalah Chaymer. I'll learn out from Yibam. Right? Yibam pregnancy counts, so Truma pregnancy counts. I don't need a Pasuk for it. What's the Kavachaymer? When it comes to Yibam, we don't care. We don't care about earlier children. Meaning, if you had two marriages and the first marriage you had kids and the second marriage you didn't, you still do Yibam. We don't care about the early marriages. But Truma, we do care about the early marriages. right? So if Yibam, we don't care about the early marriages. And still by Yibam, pregnancy is something. So do by Truma, Kavachaymer, pregnancy should be something. You understand? That mean, you don't need a pasuk to tell me that if you're pregnant, it's a problem by truma. Why? Because if yibum, where we don't care about early marriages, we we just care right now, and still pregnancy is something. So truma, where we care about early marriages, kavachaymer pregnancy is something. So we need a pasuk for. The Gemara says, "Umabim makom shaloyas avlam and erishing vlam and eshenu lepoishim and yibum asa uber kliyulud makom shalos avlam and erishing vlam and eshenu lepoishim and erishum." In addition, asa uber kliyulud. So you should learn out. Truma from Yibam. Why do you need a Pasuk for? Basically, in other words, why do you need a Pasuk that by Truma, pregnancy is significant? If it's significant by Yibam, it's significant by Truma. And the Gemara is going to answer, the differences between Truma and Yibam are so great, they can't, they're not comparable. Why? What's another difference when it comes to Truma and Yibam? As I said before, Yibam, the second the kid's alive for a moment, I don't care what happens afterwards. It's as if the kid's alive forever. When it comes to Yibam, right? A husband dies with a kid. Two days later, the kid's in a car accident. The kid dies. No one says, oh, so do chalitza now. What do you mean do chalitza? He was alive. And once they're alive, once and forever. That's not the case by Truma. Because by Truma, our entire Mishnah is built on the premise of you have multiple kids from multiple husbands. One kid dies. Uh, it's as if he's not here. Keep going. Okay, the kid from uh, Levi died. You have a kid from Akayan. Eat Truma. Kid from Kayan died. You have a kid from Levi. Eat Maisa. What do you mean? By Yivam, the answer is Yivam and Truma are not the same. That's the point. The Gemara says, "Mali Mali You can't compare Truma to Yibam because Truma and Yibam are different. They're different in many halachas. Mesim kechayim. When it comes to Yibam, the ones that are dead is as if they're alive. Meaning, the second the kid's alive for a moment after the husband's death, it's as if he's alive forever. There's no Yibam. But when it comes to Truma, it's not like that. Okay. Therefore, you need a pasuk in your Okay. So we have two, now one quick point, and then we're going to go back to these distinctions between Truma and Yibam. One quick point. Bas Kayan, who marries Yisrael, and then the Yisrael dies, the Pasuk tells us that there are two things that will prevent her from going back home. A child or pregnancy. Okay? Pregnancy because it could lead to a child, obviously. The question is, why do you need both? Just tell me one. I'll figure it out. Tell me pregnancy, I'll figure out a child. Tell me a child, I'll figure out pregnancy. You shouldn't need both. Just tell me. Basically, once you tell me one, I should be able to extrapolate the other. Any special psukim to tell you? You don't go back home if you have a kid. You don't go back home if you're pregnant. Okay, fine. Yeah, one should cover. 
So Gemara says, You need both. Why? If the Pasuk just says you don't go back home, if you have a child, I would not be able to extrapolate pregnancy. Why? Pregnancy, the baby's in the mother. Like, I understand when there's a child there. Right? She's a Baskayan, but she has this child from Yisrael. I guess she can't get back home because she's like, she's eating at the table. She has to, what she's going to seat her son at the table, who's a Yisrael, at the Kahanim table. But when she's pregnant, it's her. She's just bigger now. But, but it, it, she's a Baskayan. Like, I, I can look at it as one entity. And therefore, I could see her going back home. When she has a kid, it's a different entity. Legamri. So therefore, she can't come back home because she has a Yisrael walking alongside her. But a pregnant woman, she's just bigger. She's the same woman. She should be allowed to. That's why you need both. And because and if the passage just said she doesn't get home when she's pregnant, I would say to me, go to the next page. Malaya. I'd say yeah, because she has she has an entity in her. Her body is different. But when she has a baby. Maybe, by the way, if I were to tell you the halach is like this, that a Baskayan who has a child from Yisrael, the husband dies, she goes back home. If I were to tell you she could eat shuma, not her son, you'd be like, okay. Right? Okay, fine. Meaning the baby's outside of her body. Meaning when the baby's inside of her, she herself, her cheft itself, has a Yisrael in it. But if, but if it is, the baby's outside of her. Maybe she should be allowed to eat it, not the baby. That's why you need both. Fine. Okay, now the Gemara from here until the end of the parak, what it's going to do is, as I said before, Truma and Yibam have similarities, but they have differences. The major differences are, Yibam, we do not care about early marriages. It's not relevant for our discussion. The, you could be married ten times and have kids from every relationship. If this marriage ended without a child, you're doing Yibam. Truma's not like that. Truma, we care about early relationships. That's difference number one. Difference number two is that by Yibam, if the child dies, if the child is alive when the husband dies, there's no Yibam. Even if a day later the child dies, it's irrelevant. But by Truma, whenever the child dies, we're like, okay, now what? Like, we, we look back, like, okay, child's gone. We, we, now we look at... But Yibam's not like that. It's like, if the child's alive, even if he dies later, it's as if he's alive forever. So those are the differences. And the Gemara is going to basically try to figure out why can't we just learn out from each other to make them the same? Well, if Truma's like this, why can't Yibam be like this? Pasuk. Well, if Yibam's like this, why can't Truma be like this? Pasuk. That's what basically the Gemara's going to try to do, is try to like rationally make all the halachas the same, and the Gemara's going to explain that they're psukim, not like that. Basically. So let's start. Amr le Rabbi Yehuda midiskar to le Rav. Rabbi Yehuda said to Rav, Loi nasa mesen kechaim linen Yibam mekavachayim. One of the halachas by Yibam is that if the kid is alive when the husband dies, there's no Yibam anymore. But if he dies a day later, there's still no Yibam. Why not? Why don't we learn out from Truma and say that when the kid dies, he's gone? And the same way when you have a kid, like by Truma, right? You got a, you got a, uh, you got a, uh, two kids. You got a kid from Alevi and a kid from Yisakayan, right? The Kayan kid dies. Now you can eat Meiser. We don't say, well, no, it's as if he's alive. No, no, he's gone, he's gone. But by Yibum, it's as if he's still here. Why? Why not we say by Yibum, meaning, in other words, by Yibum, what it should be, if you're going to learn out from Truma, it should be the following halacha. A woman has a kid. Husband dies, she has a kid. No, no yibam, no chalitza. She remarries. Yeah? Kid dies, she should have to do chalitza now. Right? Because right now she doesn't have a kid. That, that's how it is by truma. Truma, we don't, we don't stop scanning. Right? Truma, we don't say, well, whenever the husband dies, just the situation is that's uh, forever. No, no, no. By truma, it's 
Every day it's a new scan. You have a kid from a kain in a Yisrael, so the Yisrael prevents you eating Shuma. The Yisrael dies, now you can eat Shuma. It's a daily scan. Why don't you have a daily scan by Yibam, basically? So the Gemara says, and what would this Svara be? Basically learning it out from Truma. You'd say, By Truma, where we care about the early relationships, but Yibam, where we don't care about the early relationships, we should do a daily scan. So that's the question. Learn out from Truma that we should have it, that if the kid dies later, you should do Chalitza later. What's the answer? The answer is, that's not meaning, for a woman, five years into her second marriage, to have to do chalitza, which is bringing up her first husband because the kid died, that's not That's not what the husband wants. It also makes it seem like the husband married her when she was still bound to her first husband. That's not To make her have to do chalitza years later, that's not That's not fair. Therefore, the Torah, we're not going to compare it from Truma, because Truma, it's whatever, it's not, it's not as emotional. Yibam, it's a very emotional thing, we're not going to make the woman go through that. Five years into her second marriage, she loses a son, and now they're going to say, hey, you have to go back to your first husband's brother, and do chalit, and separate yourself from the first husband. She's like, well, you know, I'm married to my second husband, I'm, I'm, I'm all over, I moved on. Torah didn't move on. That's not fair to her. Okay. Question number two. Nasa Mason Kechaimlin and Truma. Fine, let's work it backwards. You should make a Mason Kachayim Linen Truma. Meaning, when it comes to Yibam, right, the baby's alive for one day, it's as if he's alive forever. We never make you, we never make you rescan and do Yibam or Chalitza later. So why don't you say the same thing by Truma? Meaning, Case of our Mishnah. A woman is married to a Kayan, has a kid. Then marries a Levi, has a kid. Could she eat Truma anymore? No, because she has a kid from a Levi. Kid dies, she could eat Truma. Why don't you do this? Learn that from Yibam that there's no changing status. Right? By Yibam, we don't change the status. So by Truma, also we shouldn't say this change the status. And she should be stuck. She should be stuck forever. Meaning she should never be allowed to go back to eating Truma. I don't care that the kids died. However, the kids were alive at one point, they're alive forever. Why don't you do that? So the answer is, what's the source? The answer is, it says in the Pasuk, she could eat Truma if she doesn't have kids. Does she have kids? No. I she did, it doesn't matter. The Pasuk says right now. Meaning, by Truma, the Pasuk is clearly telling you, we do a daily scan. If she doesn't have kids, that prevents her, she could eat Truma. Okay. One more question. When it comes to truma, we've said this many times, early relationships matter, right? Meaning, a woman marries a Yisrael, right? Has a kid, yeah? Yisrael dies. She marries a Kayim, has a kid. Can she eat truma? No. Because that early kid, her first son, the Yisrael, is, he's like, hey, mom, like, I'm, I'm stopping you. We don't just say, I don't care about the early relationships. Let's just analyze this relationship. No, no, because you can deal with it. But by Yibam, it's not like that, right? By Yibam, if she had a husband and had five kids, the husband dies and divorces, then she marries this dude and doesn't have a kid, she has to do Yibam. Why don't you say, listen, what do you do Yibam for? I got five kids there. Let's let's count my first. If you count the first relationships for truma, 
Well, so the Gemara says, so why don't you do this? If we count the first relationship for Truma, why don't we count the first relationship by Yibam and she shouldn't have to do Yibam unless all her husbands never had kids? That's the question. So the answer is, there's a Pasuk. Tamalever, Uben ein lo, ha ein lo. The answer is, the Pasuk says, you do Yibam when this man died without kids. Did this man die without kids? Yes. I, your first husband, had kids? Doesn't matter. Ben ein lo. Ha ein lo. This man didn't have kids. So I don't care about Truma. Last point. Reverse it. By truma, we shouldn't care about early relationships. If by yibam we don't care about early relationships, so by truma also meaning if you have a baska a woman who marries a yisrael has a kid, then marries a koyin and has a kid, you should be allowed to eat truma. I don't care. Oh, I be heavy Israel. I don't care about that. I care about right now. I'm a right now kind of person. By Yibam, we just care about right now. So by Trumosa, we should just care about right now. What's the answer? Ain la Hayeshla. The Pasuk says she can only eat if she does not have kids from Israel. Hayeshla. She has kids. If she's met while the corn's alive, can't she eat Truma? No, uh, uh, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah she'd be allowed to. Eyes, Correct. She has two boys. Exactly, exactly. 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 The point is, it's Psukim. Hajin Yesh Mutaris. Okay, let's. There's a whole problem with this whole thing with Shuma. When you have a Ashkenazi woman marry a Sparty man. Oh, interesting. Oh, I mean, when it comes to Menhagen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but if he dies, we say she has sons. If she has sons, she can continue eating kidneys. Oh, interesting, because she's still in her husband's. That's actually a good point. That's a good point. So let's start the next parak. The next parak is dealing with the following case a woman whose husband went away, and there was testimony about him that the husband died. One witness, two witnesses, we'll see in the Mishnah. She remarries because she thinks her husband's dead, then her husband shows up. Now what? That's what this Mishnah is dealing with. So the Mishnah says, A woman whose husband went away, and the Gemara is going to explain this is one witness. One witness shows up, and as we're going to see, when it comes to Agunas, when it comes to remarrying and death of a husband, we accept the testimony of one witness. Normally one witness is not enough, but for these topics you do. So one witness comes and testifies that she's that, that her husband died. He said, I was in the battlefield, I saw your husband die. So she remarries with Besdin. Besdin signs off on it. Now, although Besdin signed off on it, you'd think that she'd be in the clear, but because it's one witness... Chazal felt that she should, have to, she should have to investigate it a little bit further. And because she didn't, we're a little bit tougher with her. Because there's only one witness. You see, if there's two witnesses, you don't need Bezdin to sign off. Two witnesses show up in court, say that he's dead. She's just like, I'll see you. And she can remarry. You don't need an official document from Bezdin. Two witnesses is fine. One witness, you need Bezdin to sign off on it. But we still want her to investigate to make sure. So it's sort of like this weird situation where Bezdin's cool with it, but we're still going to have a tight on her if something happens. Yeah? So we're going to talk about all of these scenarios. Like what if Bezdin did sign off with two, I mean, I mean there were two witnesses, but then he comes back alive. Are we going to talk yeah, about Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the end of the mission. I'm just saying the, first, okay, beginning of the, the beginning of the mission is where there's one witness. Okay, and then when they ask about her investigating, 
Are we going to say what does that mean? No. So that the Gemara kind of talks about it. it's called Dayak Meninsiba. It, it requires her to investigate. I don't exactly know what that means. Maybe it means that she should be asking the guy what the husband looked like. Maybe she knew parts, you know, she knew what the husband was like more so than anyone else. I'm not exactly what, sure what it means. The Gemara is going to get into it. So the point is the Mishnah starts off where. Yeah, but there's certain. I guess there's certain investigations she could do even more than that. We'll have to see in the Gemara. The Gemara will discuss certain details. So the point is, so the, the Mishnah says, one witness shows up in court, says the husband dies, she remarries. Then the husband shows up. So now she's married to the first husband, and she's married to the second husband. So now what? So she has to get divorced. She has to get divorced from both. Now, by the way, technically, she's only married to the first husband. The second husband, it's considered adultery. Right. Not adultery that we have a taina on her, right. but she's technically, the second marriage is not valid. The Kedusha is not taifa, she was a married woman. Meaning, if, if, if it's, it's considered, if the husband's alive, the husband's alive. There's yeah. only two ways to end the marriage. Misa or Gitten. <laughs> That's it. The husband didn't die, and there was no get. Yeah. So the second marriage is considered adultery. Now it's considered adultery that we don't really have a, as a shtickle taina, not a big taina. But the point is, because of this, we make her get divorced from both. Yeah? Well, um, what about kids? Oh, so the Gemara is going to say, We're talk about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither has to pay her ksuba. Again, the, the second one, because it wasn't a marriage. The first one, because like, she committed adultery. And again, we have a shtickle taina on her because we felt that she should have looked into it. And if she took the ksuba already from one of them, she has to give it back. The kid from the second marriage is a mamzer. If she stays with the first husband, then it's a mamzer der habonah. Right? The first husband is, is married to her. The second one is adultery. So the second, any child from the second marriage is a mamzer, for sure. It's a married woman having an affair. If she goes back and stay with, stays with the first husband when he shows up, it shouldn't be a mamzer at all because she, she was married. If they have a new kid, obviously from before he left, there's nothing wrong. But if she has a kid from when he comes back, if she stays with him and has a kid, it shouldn't be a mamzer. But it's derabonon dika mamzer. Chazal made it a mamzer. Okay, havlad mamzer. Veloy zev If either of them are kehanim, neither of them can go to her funeral because again. It's not a real marriage, or it's a marriage of adultery. Neither can annul her vows, neither can pick up her lost objects and acquire it. Because she committed adultery, and again, we have a shtikotayna, it wasn't like a rape, it was a shtikotayna on her, therefore she's posel kuhuna. Neither family claims her inheritance. She doesn't do yibum because it's considered adultery. She, therefore, if the first husband dies, she does chalitza. Let me finish the mission, then I'll take a question. Rav Yosi disagrees. He actually says that the first husband should give a ksuba. Rav Lazar adds, the first husband who she was always married to the whole time, he could annul her vows. Rav Shimon holds that she's really married to the first husband. Therefore, if she does chalitza yibum to the first husband's brothers, it works. And if she goes back to the first husband, it is not a mamzer derabonon. He does not believe that it's a mamzer derabonon, as the Gemara will explain. 
Um, okay, now let's just finish the Mishnah. This is all if she got married with one witness. So Bezin signed off on it, but we felt that she should look into it a little bit more. What happens if she got married based on two witnesses? So that Mishnah says like this, Vimnisus she married without Bezdin, meaning with two witnesses, Muteris Lachsurloi. Then the halacha is she can go back to her first husband. Why? It's considered full rape. No it, it, it's, not, it's not considered at an, an act of adultery at all. So if the first husband's not a Kayan, she'd be allowed to go back to the first husband because it's considered mamish, like against her, her will, because she had she did nothing wrong, Apitaira. Nisus Alpi Bezdin, but if she married based on the one witness, then Tetse, as we said, Tetse, but. She has to leave both, but there is one kula of being married based on Bezdin. We have a taina on her, it's considered adultery, children of Mamzerim, v'chula v'chula. But she doesn't have to bring a karban. Because the halacha is that if you make a mistake based on psak of Bezdin, you don't have to bring a karban. So it's the only thing that they help you is p'turim in a karban. Loi nisus api Bezdin, teitze v'chai v'karban. Now, if you get married based on two witnesses, right, it's not adultery, you can remarry the first husband, but you have to bring a karban. Because you don't have Bezdin to rely on. Okay? Um, just finish the mission and I'll take the question. Bezdin is helpful that it patties you from carbon. Now, let's say, One last halacha. I want to do a few lines of the Gemara if you guys have time. I'll just record it either way. Here's the thing if you get married with Bezdin, yeah? So it's one witness shows up and says that her husband dies and she remarries because Bezdin said it's fine, you can rely on one witness, it's fine. So you have all the problems. You have to leave, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing Bezdin helps you is you don't have to bring her carbon. Let's say Bezdin tells her, hey, you could remarry. So she's like, oh, great, beautiful. She's an Almana, yeah? Bezdin are asking that she's an Almana. She goes and marries a Kayangalo. She has to bring her carbon. Why? I, I thought she doesn't have to bring her carbon if she relies on Bezdin. The answer is Bezdin never told you to marry Kayangalo. Bezdin just said you could remarry. We didn't tell you who to remarry. I Meaning if she marries a Mamzer, she marries a chveis a guy. No one's going to say, "Well, Bezdin told me to." They didn't tell you that. You know what I mean? It's like, don't don't blame us for this. We we told you you could remarry. We didn't tell you you could do a lav. Yeah. You think you good? Okay. So let's finish up the gemara. Now the gemara said it's clear from the mishnah that if one witness shows up and testifies, you could rely on it. This is called eid echad is neman by an aguna. Yeah. We know Eid Echad is Nem Surim, right? When it comes to Chazer, if one guy says that's Chazer, it's not Chazer, you could rely on him. And also now we're seeing that one witness is enough for relying on testimony of husband being dead. Where do you know this from? What's the Pasuk? It's clear from the Mishnah that that's a thing. What's the Pasuk? So the Mar speaks it out. Midiktani, say, Venasa Shalaybashus Bezdin, Muteris Lachsaloi, Shalaybashus Bezdin, El Bezdin. Mechladereshe Bashus Bezdin. It's clear from the Mishnah that the Mishnah is talking about two different scenarios. One is two witnesses and one is one witness. So you see that one witness is acceptable. Ube'eid Echod Alma Aidech Anemon. One witness is acceptable. So that's the first source that you have from Mishnayis that one witness is acceptable. A second source. Tananami, Chuchsugulius, Messian, Eid Mepi Eid, Beisha Pisha, Beisha Pieved. The Mishnah clearly states, this is in a Mishnah in Bechiris, that the Mishnah clearly states we rely on the testimony of even one person, even a woman, for a testimony of Agunas. That's another source. You see, one witness works. Third source. One witness says you ate Chalev. He testified regarding the Isser of Chalev, that you ate Chalev. And he says, no, I didn't. There's a special halach, as we'll see in a moment. You do not bring a carbon 
if you achatas, if you deny it. So if one witness says you ate chaylev and you say no, I didn't, you don't have to bring a carbon. But if you accept it, if you're quiet, you do. Oh, so you see, eight echad is neman. The Gemara says, Potter, time ishtik. If he was quiet, mehemon. Alma eid echad mehemon. So that we find three sources in Mishnayis that an eid echad is neman under certain circumstances when it comes to isurim, when it comes to agunas. The question is, midereisim and How do you know this? How do you know eid echad is neman be isurim? So the Tanya will do two lines and we'll stop. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that if you're made, uh, if you're made aware of your uh, sin, you have to bring a carbon. What does it mean? It means that it's only you only have to bring a carbon if you're aware of it, but not if you object. So if someone gets up and says, you ate chazer, and he says, no, I didn't, you don't have to bring a carbon. The question is, who's talking? Who's testifying that we're saying that it's neman if you're not objecting. Let's say it's talking about two witnesses. Two witnesses come forward and say, hey, you just ate chaylev, because that, that meat was chaylev. And you're like, no, I didn't. You have to bring a carbon. Let me ask you a question. And if you didn't, and if you were, you were quiet, so two witnesses come forward and say, you ate chaylev. And you're like, quiet. So you have to bring a carbon. Is, isn't that poshit? I need a special poshit to tell me that two witnesses are neman. Two witnesses are neman and call terakula. What's the chiddush of this pasuk? It must be one witness, and it's saying if one witness comes forward and says, "Hey, that was chaylev," and you're quiet, that he's neman. Oh, so you see, einachon em bisurim, elav chad v'lemakashle mehemon shmamino einachon neman. We'll end with this kasha. The Gemara says, "Mimai dimeshum dimehemon dim meshum kashasik shikoy dadani." The Gemara says that's not a good source. Again, what's the source that einachon is neman? Is because one person comes forward and says you ate chaylev, and he's quiet. He's he's neman. The eid echad is neman. Maybe he's not neman because he's eid echad. Maybe he's neman because shtika kaida. You're 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 quiet. You're acknowledging. So maybe it's sort of like two witnesses. You got the guy who's witnessing against you, and you by being quiet is acknowledging that it's true. So maybe it's like two witnesses. It's not a source of eid echad misum because maybe it's eid echad with shtika kaida, and therefore we don't know where's the source of eid echad misum. We'll continue tomorrow with this.